You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. But if you have a copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to turn to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. We're going to cover part of 13 and all of 14 today. Uh, so, and if you don't have a copy of God's Word, God's Word with you this morning, uh, don't worry. You can grab that Black Pew Bible right in front of you and turn it to page 55. You'll be able to follow along as we, as we study and walk through um, the life of Moses today. As you guys are doing that, I want to I I tell you guys about a man. So there was a man once who fell off a cliff, but managed to grab a tree limb on the way down. So he's just hanging there. And as he struggled to hold on, he yelled out, Is there anyone up there? Anyone at all? And a voice replied, I'm here. It's me. It's God. And the guy said, Oh, good. God, like, I, I'm, I, I'm a believer. I trust in you. But I can't hang on much longer, God. Can you please help me out? And God says, Well, of course I can, son. All you need to do is let go of the branch, and I will take care of you. And after a sudden... Couple moments of pause. He yelled, God, is there anyone else up there? Can anyone else help me out? Would you agree that sometimes walking after God, following after Him, isn't always as easy as it looks? Listen, we, we come to church, been here for a while, we say, hey, follow God, trust Him, believe in Him, have faith, and, and, and God is going to do what He promises to do. But it's not always that easy. Man, because it often takes, following after God means doing things that are uncomfortable, sometimes seem unwise, and, and sometimes even unsafe. See, church, walking by faith means just that, living in such a way that we have to believe that God is going to come through. But as we've seen throughout the story of Moses, and what we're going to see again today, God will come through and act for his people. That theme has been riding over and over and over again as we walk through Exodus so far. So we've seen God give Moses the power and the tools he needed to lead God's people out of Egypt even when he felt unqualified. We watched God um, rain down ten plagues upon the people of Egypt, showing who he was. And reminding, and really, not reminding, introducing the people of Israel. This is who you are going to serve. This is the God of your your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm, I'm not only here, I want to work in your life as well. We've seen that theme. This morning, we're going to walk through one of the most well known acts of God in the entire Bible the crossing of the Red Sea. Some of you guys probably watched a movie on that this past week. Right? Isn't that when, like, the old Ten Commandments comes out? Is that around Easter time? Is that right? Yeah. Never watched the whole thing, but I've heard it's good. I've heard it's long. But, yeah. So some of you guys have watched a movie. You guys are primed and ready to go. Like, I, I know all about this. This morning, again, as we walk through this Red Sea account, God has a message for us. And, church, that message is this. That God can turn a desperate situation into your defining moment. That God can turn a desperate situation 
and turn it into the moment that defines who you are and your walk with God from this moment forward. See, God can take the most complicated, difficult struggle in your life and turn it into something that you will go back to time and time again. See, the Red Sea account is a perfect example of how things change when God steps in. You guys believe that? That when God steps into a room, everything can change. When God steps into a situation, no matter what has happened previously, all bets are on the table. There's nothing that God cannot do. And we're, we're going to see today God do exactly that for his people. But we're going to see also that to put ourselves in a place for God to work is going to take some effort on our part, is going to take some trust. Just like that man clinging on to that, that, that branch for his dear life, and, and God says, listen, you're going to have to let go, and then I'm going to work. Today I want to walk through three things that we find in, in, in Exodus 13 and 14 where we're going to have to put forth some effort, that we're going to have to live by faith. But by doing so, we get a front row seat to watch God do amazing things. And it's my prayer today that God uses this portion of Scripture, not just as a history lesson about something that happened so many years ago, but that God would use this to change the way that you view him and change the trial and the difficulty that you're walking through right now. So I'm just going to, let me pray, and then we're going to dig into Exodus 13 together. Father God, we thank you again just for, God, the gift of your word. God, it is through your word that you reveal who you are, that you reveal your relationship with us, that you reveal what you're like and what you can do, Father. And God, if my audience, my church family here today is like me, Lord God, there are things going on right now that we're struggling with, that we're hurting for, and that we feel like we're walking in, in, a, in a deep, dark valley. But God, there's hope today. And we're going to see that hope through what you can do, even in the most desperate of situations, God. I pray, Lord, that this would bring hope and courage. But most of all, God, I pray, Lord, that your son, Jesus, would be high and lifted up through this text today. And we pray all these things in the name of the risen Savior. Amen. If you're not already there, we're going to start reading. I'm going to begin reading verse 17. So join me in Exodus Chapter 13, beginning reading at verse 17. So it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Let me just stop there for a second. I'm sorry, let's go one more. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Let me just stop there for a second. So again, Pastor Dan two weeks ago talked about the Passover. And after, after that tenth plague where 
where the angel of the Lord came and everyone that didn't have the blood on their doorpost, the firstborn of their family was killed. That, that seemed to break Pharaoh's back and change his heart and he let God's people go. The, the, the Hebrew word there actually isn't just let, it's sent out. It says, you guys need to get out of here now. And he, and he sent them away. But the text says that God, God was directing them as they went. And he said, instead of bringing the children of Israel to the north, which would have been the best way to go to the promised land. Remember, God's plan was never just to free them out, out, out of slavery, right? God's plan was to bring them to, to the promised land that he had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, hey, I have a plan for your family, Abraham, and I have a place where they're going to be. And out of your family, as they inherit this land, a blessing that's going to come that will bless the entire world, talking about Jesus Christ, foreshadowing to him. And so the goal wasn't just to get them out of Egypt. The goal was to get them to the promised land. And the easiest way would have been just to go north. Uh, I'll show you here on a map. All right. For some of you map people, this is for you guys. Some of you guys love maps. Today is your day. I'm going to use a couple of them. So the promised land would be, so you see, you see the sea here, the great sea. So you see number one here is, is Egypt. The promised land is going up, up that coastline. And there was actually a route, a, a road already constructed called the Varus Maria. It, it literally means the way of the sea. It's going up the coast. Not only is it like great scenery, but it's also the most direct route. Most scholars think that, you, that, that the children of Israel could have made it from Egypt to the Promised Land in two weeks if they would have taken this path. God had different plans, and it took them 40 years to get to where they needed to go. Talk about a detour. Man, I think like eight, sometimes you get on 81 and they take you off and it's like, I'm never going to get back to my house. But this is 40 years of not being where you're supposed to go. But God had a reason for it. Because listen, if they would have just went north. See, Egypt had these military fortresses already set up, kind of protecting the northern, the northern region of their land. So they would have come across all these Egyptian strongholds. And they would have come across into military battle right away. And listen, there was a crew of people, but they weren't soldiers yet. They're, a week ago, they were slaves. They were not ready for battle. And not only, if, even if they had gotten past the Egyptian forces, the Philistines were there waiting for them. And the Old Testament has this long line of God's people fighting against the Philistines. That's where you know you have the whole David and and uh, the, the giant there, Goliath. I'm going to say that word for a reason. <laughs> Whatever. But, and so God says, listen, I can't take you that way. The moment that you face any kind of military resistance, your heart's going to change, and you're going to want to go back. So he says, I'm, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you south. And so God says, all right, I'm going to lead you into the wilderness, but I have a plan. Moses, verse 19, says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had, been, had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. See, Joseph, again, that's Genesis. But Joseph, you know his story. If you don't, it's awesome. Read like 40, Genesis 42 through 50 there. But Joseph knew, believed God, that someday they were going to leave Egypt and head to the promised land. So Moses took Joseph's bones to bury him there. 
Verse 20 says, And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. And the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night did not depart from before the people. Man, I, I read this and I think, this is fascinating to me. And, and part of me is a little jealous. Part of me is a little jealous, like, man, I wish I had a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire to guide my every single move. Like, you know, God, I'm thinking about changing jobs. I'm not thinking about changing jobs. Maybe you're thinking of changing jobs. But wouldn't that be awesome if you just, like, you go to work one day, you get in your car, and the pillar of fire that was normally over your old job is over some other place of employment? You go, like, oh, must be the day. You're supposed to go here now. Or maybe, you know, you're, you're, you're in a car you, you, need to, you need to buy a new vehicle, and you're in this sea, what well, used to be a sea of, of cars that you can choose from, and wouldn't it be nice to have this little pillar of smoke over the one that you're supposed to get? Maybe you're here today and you're searching for, for a spouse. Wouldn't it be nice just to have a pillar of fire over one of them? <laughs> Boom, done, it's over. Obviously, God doesn't work that way anymore, and I'm not even sure if that's a, if that's a good thing. I'm not even sure if we would even really appreciate having that. Because while it would be nice to make decisions, we also now know what God's plan is, and sometimes that is super scary. But God walked through his people by a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire. So let's kind of let's continue and see how this goes. So far, Israel, they have, they have a good thing going with God. Beginning of verse 14. Chapter 14, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Haharoth, say that three times fast, between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal-Saphon. You shall encamp by facing the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. As from these verses, God tells them, okay, we're going one way, and God tells them to turn around, to go back down, to go back towards Egypt. Not only to go back toward Egypt, but he says, I want you to encamp by, by the Red Sea. I want you to basically put yourself into a trap. Listen, if there were any military you know, commanders at that time in, in with, with the children of Israel, they would have said, listen, this is a terrible move. Because to the north, you have the Philistines. To the south, you have the desert. To our east, we have a large impassable body of water now. And to the west, we have Egypt. God, you're placing us, like, in the worst position possible. But God says something here. Listen, I have a plan. And I'm going to do something that makes... Pharaoh and all of Egypt know who I really am. And you are going to get a front row seat to see what I am about to do. And just as God had promised, Pharaoh responds. Verse 5. It says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this we've done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? Listen, probably a week or two had gone by since, since the exodus, since they left Egypt. And they're probably thinking, listen, like all that work that the children of Israel do, who's going to do that now? I'm not. I'm not doing that. And so they're thinking, what have we done? Why have we let all these people go? 
And so Pharaoh made ready his chariot and took his army with them and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. And the Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pahaharoth in front of Baal Zephon. I think I don't have to pronounce those anymore. Those are it. We're good. I practiced those all week. So under the Lord's instruction, things go from good to terrible in one choice. By God telling the people of Israel where they should camp, triggered Pharaoh to go and pursue them now. He said, listen, they're just wandering around in the wilderness. They have no idea what they're doing. And this may be the only chance we get to bring them back as slaves. And so Pharaoh got all of his army and all of his chariots and pursued them with all that he had. And it said that Pharaoh and his army overtook them where they were encamped. Church, I don't know about you, but how many of us have followed God's direction, been obedient to God's call, and found out that our life is a mess afterwards? That our life actually gets worse when we follow God? Man, I found that so often in my life. I found that, God, when I follow your leading to sharing the gospel with this person, not only them, but my, I, I've lost friends over that. My entire friend group has rejected me now. Or, God, I, I want to be, be faithful in, with my finances, and I want to give to your work. And the moment that I push that button to, to submit funds, my car breaks down. Or the mortgage, you know, the mortgage doesn't get paid. Or now with grocery prices the way that they are. It's like, man, like I, every, time you, every time you give, and we have you know, four young growing kids, like the grocery bill keeps going higher and higher. But God, you think, God, I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to obey you. But the moment that I do that, things are not getting any easier. But church, there's a reason for that. And the reason is that when we step out in faith, when we obey, God uses those moments to deepen and develop our walk with him. That if the Christian life was actually easy, if the Christian life was, was rainbows and cotton candy and ponies, all of us would be good. None of us would ever want God. Because life is easy. And the first thing, that we see the people doing here. And the first principle that we, the first thing that we're called to do to walk in faith is simply this, when life doesn't make sense, we need to trust God's plan. When life doesn't make sense, we need to trust God's plan, that God is up to something here. And there are, there are a couple details within, within the story here that I just want to bring out to you. The first one simply is this, is that God's presence never left them. If you go back to Back to chapter 13, verses 21 and 22, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. So he said that pillar of fire went before them. That pillar of fire was, was always there, and that, and that verse 22 is so important. It says, A pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. 
says very clearly, listen, God's presence was with them the entire way. You may be thinking, listen, that, that's great when you have a visible representation of God. Where, where you can look in the distance and see that pillar there. It's just a reminder, God is with you. But church, that same God who walked with the children of Israel is walking with you and I today as well. Hebrews 13, 5, a promise I go back to often. It says, for I will never leave you nor forsake you. And friends, even though you may feel like you are walking alone this morning, God is there. And God is walking with you. And God is walking beside you. And whatever he leads you into, whatever situation, he says, follow me in this area of your life, whatever he leads you into, he is not going to leave you there. But he will walk with you each and every step of the way. So God's presence never left. And not only did God's presence never leave, but God's plan was still at work. Verse 4, chapter 14, where God says, listen, I have a plan where I am going to glorify myself over, over Pharaoh and his army, and they will know that I am God, that I'm working, and that I have something going on, and that I have a plan that I'm going to roll out. Let's be honest. When we're struggling, what is the last thing you want to hear? God has a plan. Romans 8.28 gets a bad rap. Because that, that's what people always, always use, right? So something happens, a loved one dies, you lose a job, a, a child gets sick, whatever it may be. What's the first thing people do to you? Romans 8.28. For God has a plan. For all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his promise. And listen, I'm not going to tell you just Romans 8, 28, someone and leave, because I think we've done that, and, and we need to be present with people, and we need to walk alongside of them, and we need to be silent with them, and we need to pray for them and meet their tangible needs when someone's going through something. But they, we all need to remember that God has a plan working, working at that very moment. We need to remember that God can and will work these things for his glory and for our good. And so while some people may shy away from using that phrase, God has a plan, it is so true. And we need to cling to that fact that God is working something out even when I don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense. He says, listen, I'm here and I got this. God now is going to move them even a step further in their walk with God. And God's going to move us even a step further as we follow after him. And the second thing that God calls us to do simply is this. When you're tempted to turn back, follow God's call. When you're tempted to turn back, follow God's leading upon your life. Pick it up with me in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in, in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in, in the wilderness? What have you done to bring, in bringing us out here? I love it how they just blame Moses now. Why are we even here? Why, why did you bring us out? They said, is, is, is not this what we have said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. 
For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Church, the first response when they see Egypt and Pharaoh right on their tail is what? Moses, why did you bring us out here? Moses, it would be better for us just to go back and, and serve the Egyptians again and be slaves. It wasn't that long ago, Exodus chapter 1 and 2, when they're crying out to God for what? For help to get them out of there. But at the first moment of hardship, at the first moment of, of trouble, they have forgotten all of God's promises and what all, all that God has done before them. It's like that, man, I know I'm, I'm dating myself, but Men in Black, movie one. Remember that little memory eraser thing? You know that? It's like, boom, the first moment of adversity, they all got hit with a memory eraser, and they all forgot all, all what God has done. It's like, we just need to go back to our old way of life and do things exactly the way that we were. And church, something that Satan does so well when we step out in faith is tempt us to turn back. When we say, God, I'm going to follow you in this area of my life, I'm going to do what your word says. I'm going to surrender this thing over to you. I'm going to live the way that you called me to live. At the very sign of struggle or trials or tribulations, Satan's going to whisper in your ear, this isn't good. Your old life was way better. Just come back. Just enjoy what you used to enjoy. At least it's familiar. And yeah, there may be some consequences, but at least you know them. And so many Christians have walked away from the faith and turned back to their old way of life instead of believing that God had something better for them. Something that we need to remind ourselves, guys, is that Jesus didn't just come to get you into heaven. Jesus came to raise a dead person to life. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. Jesus is calling us today to leave that old life behind. Take steps of faith and follow after Jesus. And I love how Moses responds to Israel's complaints here. Verses 13 and 14. It says, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. He said, the Lord will fight. You only have to be still. So he's saying, listen, the choice is yours. Don't fear what lies ahead. Don't fear what following Jesus looks like. Because today, God is going to work on your behalf. And today, when you're tempted to go back to your sin, don't be. Recognize that you have been bought with a price. Recognize that your old way of life, you are now dead to. 
And it is now your choice to go back there. But do not walk in the graveyards of sin when God calls you to something so much better. Fear not and watch the Lord fight for your behalf today. You see one more thing. This is actual, it's all good, but this is, this is the good part. This is, this is the part that blows my mind every time I read it. And if you, in Exodus 14, 19 through 21, we see one more cause. Like when your back is against the wall, simply watch God work. When your back is against the wall and you have nowhere else to go, nothing else that you can do, watch God work and come through on your behalf. Verse 19. It says that the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went from and went behind them. So you see God moving already. God was before the people. Now God was behind them, between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Coming between the host of Egypt and the host of, uh, host of Israel, and there was a cloud and the, and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all nights. God stood in between his people and their problem. And God says, I'm going to fight on your behalf today. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. Church, as we read this, I just want you to notice how many things God does and how many things his people do. There is a stark difference. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled into it. The Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and to the left. Church, there is a ton there. But I want to show you a few things. One, I just want to, I want to bring up the point. We're not going to, I'm not going to, this is not a, this is not a debate on whether or not, you know, this is true or whether I can point, pinpoint a, a place where this happened, but scholars think they know where that is. I'm going to show, show you that map again. So right kind of down, you see this body of water here in blue, below that is the Red Sea, and the Red Sea goes up into what's called the Gulf of Suez, and it is a large, again, body of water coming up into that area. That's probably where this all occurred. Let me just mention one thing. Listen, there are people out there that say that the Israelites crossed over a marshland, six inches of water, and a strong wind blew just because it happens in that area, and, they walk, and, they, and that dried up the water, and they walked through on dry land. 
Church, I may be dumb, but I'm going to believe what the Bible says. And let's think about something else. If I am, if you and I, we're, we're the children of Israel, and, and the Egyptians are coming, we, we can see them coming, it's six inches of water going to keep you from crossing over that, that land? No. When someone escapes from prison and they end up in a swampland, are they just going to say, oh, I'm done? That's it. I'm going back. I can't go any further. No, they're going to run for their very lives. There is a couple of details here, and I'll show you that, that, that next slide. This is probably, depending on the text, this is what it would have looked like. The word walls there are not, in Hebrew, are not small retaining walls. They are walls of a city. And the Hebrew text says that they were walls city high that they walked through the middle of. And God did that. God caused an east wind to come put up, to put up the, that water to dry out the seabed. And they walked through on dry ground. And the Egyptians followed them in. And God, in his plan to glorify himself over all of Egypt, let them come and then crash those same waters that the children of Israel crossed through, crashed them, had them come crashing down on the Egyptian army. We believe that God is a supernatural God, and we believe that the Bible is full of supernatural things. Last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And if we can believe that someone rose from the dead, I think we can believe that God, that God is able and powerful to do something like this. And whether, any way you slice it, it was a miracle. Because whether... God did this in part of the waters and they walked people through, which obviously we believe happened, or the very opposite, that God drowned the entire Egyptian army in six inches of water in a marshland is also a miracle. So any way you want to split it, whether God drowned a whole army in a bathtub or God parted the Red Sea, God did something divine here. But it was when God's people had their backs against the wall Nowhere else to turn. And God did a miracle in their midst. I love the conclusion of this. Verses 30 and 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Brings us back to our one thing. God can turn your desperate situation into your defining moments. First, the Red Sea is mentioned over and over and over again in Scripture. And Psalm 77, Psalm 106, uh, so many of, of the prophetic books Looking back on Israel's history, they all go back to the parting of the Red Sea as, a, as the defining moment that, that defined who they were as a people of God. When, when things were hard, they went back to that moment, but God delivered us here. When they didn't understand what God was doing, they went back to that moment, but God knew what he was doing at the Red Sea. And church, God can take whatever you're going through right now, Turn that into your defining moment today.
Friends, I'm afraid that many of us don't have don't have those defining moments of faith because we give up on God too soon. That at the first time, we don't understand what God's doing. We, we try to do things ourselves. At the first instance, when we're tempted to go back into our old way of life instead of following after Christ and trusting completely in him, we turn back and give up the opportunity for God to work there. For so many of us, when our backs are against the wall, we still try to, to, to work the situation and do things ourselves. Instead of saying, I'm going to be silent, I'm going to, be, I'm going to stand firm in my faith, and I'm going to watch God work. So my encouragement to you as I close simply is this. If you are walking through a deep valley today, whether you're doing it, whether you're going through it right now or you just got through it, but listen, it's coming if, if, if life is good right now. There will be valleys in your life. But when they come, do not give up on God. Keep trusting, even if you don't understand his plan. Don't give up your new life in Christ for your old life of sin. Keep trusting him. And don't miss out on watching God's work by taking things into your own hands. Keep following, keep trusting, keep obeying. And I promise you that in some way, shape, or form, God is going to show up in your life. Scripture promises that God is a rewarder to those who seek him. While I can't stand up here and, and tell you what God is going to do in your life, I can tell you that God is going to do something. And as you hold on a little bit longer, as you keep obeying and trusting him, that thing that you're going through right now could be your defining moment where God came through that, that hunkers down and is an anchor for your faith from here on out. Don't give up what God is going to do. And if you're here today, maybe for the very first time, and, and life is hard, and something drove you to church today, recognize, one, that that wasn't, that wasn't just by coincidence. God brought you here. And God is drawing you to himself. And the book of Exodus is written to the people of God that have a relationship with him. But the entire scripture is written so that you and I can have a personal relationship with God. Let me tell you, that the day that I came to faith in Jesus was a defining moment in my life. Changed the, the trajectory of my life from that moment forward. And if you're here today and you would love to know more of what it looks like to have a personal relationship with Jesus, not, not a religion, not, not a list of rules that you have to keep, but a personal relationship Jesus today. God, God's word promises that anyone that comes to Jesus and puts their faith and trust in him and him alone has eternal life from that moment forward that can never be taken away. And if you're here today and you would like more information about what it looks like to have a personal walk with Jesus, we would love to have, have that conversation with you. 
Or maybe you're not, you're not there just yet ready to talk to a pastor, one of our elders, but maybe you just want to grab some more information about it. We have these information packets here on the front that we would love to get into your hands. It's a, it's a Gospel of John. One of, it's one, one of the books of the Bible that, that was written so that you may know who Jesus is and what, and what the, eternal, the offer of eternal life is really all about. The other booklet is just the booklet called Ultimate Questions. And where it answers some, uh, some of the biggest questions about faith and life with God. And we'd love to get those in your hands as well. So I'm going to call the band up. We're going to sing one. We're going to close with one more song. And I just want to pray over you. I want to pray that God would give you courage today. And pray that God, for, for those who know Christ, that God would give you courage today to keep hanging on, to keep obeying, to keep trusting. But if you're here today and you would like to know more about what it looks like to have a personal walk with God, I'm going to ask for courage for you even right now. That you would come forward. That you would grab one, one of these booklets and have a conversation with me or one of the other pastors or elders here. We'd love to share with you today what it looks like to have a personal walk with God. So let me pray and then we'll close with, with one more song. So Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we love you so much. God, thank you for the picture of deliverance and salvation, God, that you've given to us today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would work in the lives of our people as you worked in my own heart this week. I needed to hear this. God, I pray for courage where people need to stand up. I pray for perseverance for those who feel like this is the end and they just feel like giving up and going back to their old way of life. God, and I, and I pray, Lord, that you would act today in the lives of our dear people to show them, Lord, what you're capable of and make this a defining moment in their walk with you today, God. God, and for those who are searching for what it looks like to have a personal relationship with Jesus, God, I pray, Lord, that you would move in their hearts today, draw them to yourself, know that the free gift of eternal life is just that it's free, but we need to come and accept it in faith. So God, we thank you, God, for this time, for your goodness today. I pray all these things in the name of the risen Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.